0: And welcome to the Eagles Nest Church podcast, where we're committed to helping you soar in your faith, family, finances, friendships, and fitness. Get ready for today's message with senior pastor of Eagles Nest Church, Lee Jenkins. Where well, we're going to jump right into the word today. We've been in a series called Rich Folks. We started it last week. What do I mean when I say rich folks? Well, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be rich, to be financially rich, materially rich, relationally rich, and most importantly, what does it mean to be spiritually rich? I believe I'm looking at some rich folks today in all of those categories We should want to be rich. Last week, I talked about the rich fool. I defined for you what a fool is. And this guy was a fool because he was rich in material possessions, but he was not rich toward God. He had made some great earthly investments, but he had not made any heavenly investments. And so we talked about how God uh, called him a rich fool. So today we're going to be hanging out in another parable that Jesus talked about. And I want to highlight verse 8, and we're going to go through Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to move pretty fast. In fact, I only have one point to share with you. And it's going to be at the end of the sermon. And you know that's a miracle for Pastor Lee to only have one point. One point. But I'm going to read through verses 1 through 9. I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. But before we do our reading, I want to highlight verse Let's check it out. And remember, these are the words of Jesus talking about this parable. He says, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. Somebody say shrewd. Then he goes on to say, and it is true that the children of this world, those are the people who know Christ, the righteous ones those of us who are followers of Jesus. Jesus said this. He says, the children of this world, you and I, I'm sorry, I got this wrong. The children of this world are those who don't know Christ. The children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. So since I messed that up, I want to explain it to you again. Jesus is saying the children of this world, sinners, unrighteous, people who don't care about God, are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light, those of us who do know Christ. I want to speak to you today from the subject, Rich Sinners, Poor Saints. Rich Sinners, Poor Saints. Now, let me explain this title before I jump into this message. I want to clarify a few things about this sermon title. All four of these words, I want to bring some clarity to it. First of all, when I say rich, as I told you last week, most Americans and pretty much just about all of you all are financially rich, whether you feel like it or not. Forbes magazine stated that the bottom 5% of Americans are wealthier than 68% of the people in the world. Our bottom 5% is wealthier than 68% of the people in the world. So when I'm talking about rich, when the Bible is talking about rich from a material or financial standpoint, when Jesus is talking about rich folks, watch out, rich folks do this, rich folks do that, he's talking about us because the Bible is written for the world. It's not an Americanized gospel. And then in my title, I said sinners. Now, we are all sinners saved by grace, if you know Jesus Christ. But in this context, I'm referring to sinners as unbelievers and those who don't follow the Lord. And then I talked about poor. In this context, I'm using poor figuratively, not necessarily financially. I'm uh, using it as if somebody is saying, poor Johnny, he just doesn't know what he's doing. In other words, it's it's a word that signifies sympathy or compassion. And then saints, I'm referring to people who love and live for the Lord. So, rich sinners, Financially rich, sinners, people who don't follow God, poor saints, people who God says, mm, mm, mm. if y'all would just do a little better, if y'all just understood what was at stake, saints, the world would be much better off. Poor saints, rich, rich sinners. We're going to talk about what that means. This passage is very difficult, you all, and I won't do it complete justice in the time that we have. In fact, a lot of pastors and preachers won't even touch Luke 16 because it's so misunderstood. Um, there's so much misunderstanding surrounding it theologically, and then it, it it kind of insults us as Christians. In fact, uh, before I started understanding what this passage really meant, I didn't like this story. And the reason I didn't like this story is because of verse eight, where it said, people of the world, sinners are more shrewd, are smarter, take care of their business better than the children of light. What an indictment. Jesus, come on, we're your people. How could you say that? Well, I want to talk to you about this today. So in Luke chapter 16, you all, we read a parable, and we're going to read a parable about a steward who messed up. He is called a dishonest rascal in the New Living Translation. Some Bible translations refer to him as an unrighteous or unjust steward. Now, this guy did something so egregious, so bad, that he got fired from his job. Now, we don't know what he did because the reason he's referred to as a dishonest rascal or unrighteous or unjust is because of what he did to get fired. Maybe he embezzled money. Maybe, um, I don't know what he did, but he did something so bad, where you're going to see in the text where this dude got fired. He got fired. But instead of Jesus saying, don't be like this guy, Jesus tells a parable and he tells the people listening to him to use this man as an example, to emulate him. Wait a minute, now did he just do something really bad? And now Jesus is saying... This man is who Christians should emulate. So that's the problem with the passage, you all. It makes you read it and say, what you talking about, Jesus? (laughs) That's like Jesus saying, look at the mob gangster Al Capone. And take notes. That's like Jesus saying, look at the movie Scarface which I must admit was one of my favorite movies of all time. Look at Tony Montano. Say hello to my little friend. You know? And the way he built his business, the way he built his empire, I want you to learn something from him. That's like saying, look at the gangster rappers of the 1990s. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Drake. Look at the guys who talked about money and made these sexually explicit videos. Lil Wayne, 50, okay? 50 cent. Look at how they came from the streets and became billionaires. I want you to learn something, Christians, from them. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. I'm going to use a guy who we would look down on And I want you to learn something about the kingdom of God from these people. Because how they do things is the way we should be doing things. Not exactly how, but in terms of the principles that they live by. The children of this world. Jesus is saying the children of light. We need to study their lives. We need to study how they became so rich. We need to study how they started their own businesses. So that's what—that's that's the context of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, "I want you to learn a thing or two from them." By the way, when Jesus told this parable, it infuriated the religious folks. Again, that would be like me putting on the PowerPoint uh Snoop Dogg: one, two, and three, and to the fuck, okay? <laughs> And I'm just doing a whole sermon on Snoop. <laughs> Religious folks were like, what is, what is God in the pastor lead? It was the same way when Jesus told this parable. In fact, look at it, y'all, uh, Luke sixteen fourteen. At the end of the parable, and we're going to go through the parable in a minute, we're going to do it quickly. It says the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. That means that they heckled him, they ridiculed him, they taunted him. So I don't want you all to be like the Pharisees because the Pharisees couldn't stand it when Jesus talked about money and business and taking care of business because they were so religious. But what's amazing, you all, is when you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there are over 2,350 verses right around that, that deal with how to handle money and possessions. 16 out of the 38 parables in the Bible deal with how to handle money and possessions. One out of six verses in the Gospels deal with how to handle money and possessions. But yet when Jesus talked about business and how to handle money and possessions, people got mad. So now he's really hitting them pretty hard. So let's unpack this story very quickly. Luke 16, 1. Let's look at it. Jesus told this story to his disciples. So he's talking to his disciples, which means he's talking to us. He's talking to followers of Christ. Because we need to learn what Jesus said. He says, there was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. Okay, back in the day, you all rich people had stewards or people handling their affairs, sort of like what I did for 25 years before I started Eagles Nest Church. I was an investment advisor. I handled the financial affairs, especially the investment accounts for hundreds of clients, one billionaire client and many multi, multi, multi multi-millionaire clients. I was judged on whether I made money for them or preserved their money. And if they weren't happy with my performance, they would fire me. So it wasn't my money I was managing. I was managing their money. And my job was to make them money. And so in this passage, as you're going to see, This particular steward did not make his master money. We don't know what he did, but he did something despicable. Let's look at verse 2. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So, somebody had their eyes on this guy. Okay? He was wasting his money. And then look at what happened rather in verse 2. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get a report in order, get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Bro, what have you done? I'm getting ready to fire you. You're going to get fired right now. Now from a spiritual standpoint, this man's termination signifies that you and I one day will have to give an account to God of our stewardship. We're going to stand before God. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. Not only will we be judged by what we did with Jesus, but even if you know Christ, you're going to be judged by what you did with what Jesus gave you. And so... I love what Romans 14, 12 says to really undergird this. It says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So God is looking at everything that we do. Money, material possessions, how we treat people. We have to give an account to God one day. We have to stand before Jesus. Then look at verse 3. Now this guy knows he's getting ready to get fired. So now what does he do? He's basically been fired. It says the manager thought to himself, this is the guy who's getting fired. Now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. In other words, I'm not gonna do manual labor. I've been working in this high rise building with my corner office with my suit on. I am not going down there and doing manual labor. He says, I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. I'm not going to ask anybody for any money. So what is he going to do? That's interesting. Look at verse four. He says, ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. Let let me tell you what this means. He says, ah, I know what I'll do. So somebody else will hire me after I'm fired. So he comes up with this idea. He comes up with this plan, this strategy, since he knows he's going to lose his income. All right, let's look at verses five and six, and then verse seven. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? So he started going to his employer's debtors, people who owed his company money, his boss money. And he says, how much do you owe him? Look at what it says. The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. Now, that's where the misunderstanding comes in a little bit with this passage. Some people say, well, he just cut their bills in half. So if you owe $10,000 on Visa and somebody call you and say, you know what? We'll take 5,000 and we'll settle your accounts. Well, that would kind of be illegal because you don't have permission to do that. Some theologians think that's what he did, but more than likely, that's not what he did. More than likely, what he did is back in the Bible days, this guy was probably a bill collector. And so bill collectors, if you owe them $10,000, your commission was determined by how much you could get above $10,000. So if you could get $15,000 out of this person, you could extort them. By the way, that's why people hated tax collectors. That's why tax collectors were considered scum of the earth, because they would extort people. They would charge them more, and then they would charge exorbitant amounts of interest. And so more than likely, this guy forfeited the interest payments and his fee. And got these people to pay his former company back. Okay? So, y'all got it. All right, look and see what happens on this next verse. Then he asked, how much do you owe my employer? He went to another guy. He asked the next man, of course. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. And then look at what happened. Here, the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. So what he's doing, he's slashing their bills in half. Now let's look at verse 8. Here's where the problem comes in. You would think that Jesus would rebuke him, but Jesus says in this parable, the rich man, meaning the boss, who, by the way, who represents God, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. So the rich man who represents God had to say, even though I fired this dude, look at how he's gone out there and hustled to make sure that he didn't miss a paycheck, to make sure that his family was taken care of, to make sure he didn't have to dig ditches. This guy had a lot of initiative. This guy probably loved money so much that he was like, uh-uh, nobody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this, I'm going to turn this situation around, this negative situation, and I'm going to turn it around so it will bless me. So it, will, so it won't be a negative, it will actually be a positive. So Jesus did not admire or praise the dishonest rascal for getting fired, but he praised him for being shrewd what does shrewdness mean? Look at this definition. Shrewd means, okay, let me me go to this other verse, all right. And it says, go back to verse eight. And it is true, this is what Jesus says. He says this, and it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. So he talks about this word, shrewdness. All right, let's look at the, let me tell you what shrewdness means. It means to be astute, to be sharp, to be smart, to be wise, to be clever, to be intelligent, to be cunning. That's what it means. So Jesus says, look at verse eight. It is true. Now he's talking about what this guy did, that the children of this world are more shrewd, more cunning, wise, clever, intelligent, astute, in dealing with the world around them. Meaning that people who don't know Christ, people who worship money and business and power, which children of the light should not be like that, but the people who are like that, they take care of business. They invest in their projects. They make sure that their worldview is advanced and they're willing to sacrifice for. They're willing to protest for. They're willing to do whatever it takes for their agenda to be advanced, but then when you compare them to us, the children of light, we don't do the same thing. So as we come to a close, Jesus is saying here that the children of the world are better at being sinners than the children of the light are at being saints. Said another way, sinners are smarter, more aggressive, more astute, and wiser when it comes to promoting their agenda, wickedness, than saints are when it comes to promoting their agenda, righteousness. I'm just going to let that one sink in. Okay, let me say it another way. The children of this world seize opportunities for making money and making friends and and building connections and getting ahead and doing their earthly business aggressively. And God's people should be the same way about kingdom business. same way. The same way. When we bought this property, my worldly friends were applauding me and our church. Way to go, Lee. Great thinking. Great business deal. Great idea. That's so cool from a business standpoint for a church to, not, to buy property not just to be a church. But to, to, to buy property and you have other businesses on it, and those other businesses have to pay the church to be on the church's property. The church owns property that could be in the kingdom for generations to come. My worldly friends were applauding the transaction when they read it in the AJC. My religious friends What y'all doing over there at Eagle's Nest? What you trying to do? That doesn't make sense. You you see the difference? So my worldly friends, they have this takeover mentality, and then the religious people just want to stay right here in that little small, little religious group, and what we have to offer the world is so much greater. It's so much greater. So here's my close, verse 9. And then I'm going to give you my one point. It's a different different kind of sermon. Jesus says, here is the lesson, y'all. Use your worldly resources, your money, your power, your influence. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone and they will gone, one day you're going to die and leave them. Or one day your possessions are going to leave you. They will welcome you to an eternal home. That leaves the question, who is they? How about this? Let me deal with the eternal home. The eternal home is heaven. Who is they? They are the people who were impacted by the gospel because you used your worldly resources to bring them to the Lord. Are y'all with me? Okay, let me just break it down. I don't think y'all got it. When you give to Eagles Nest or any ministry, and that ministry goes out and does something that can promote the kingdom of God and people get saved, that means that you did something to help people get saved. Okay? You did something. So when you get to heaven, you're going to have like a welcoming committee. And your welcoming committee is going to be either really little because you haven't done anything with your worldly resources except spend them on yourself. And you get to heaven, and it's maybe three people. Maybe one. Or it might just be quiet. You come to heaven, and where is everybody? Well, you didn't do anything with your worldly resources. But then some of us are going to get to heaven, and we're gonna see hundreds or thousands of people cheer, like a standing ovation, welcoming you. And they're gonna be crying, thank you. And you're gonna say, I don't even know you. Well, when you gave to Project SOAR, when you gave to that ministry that feeds the hungry, when, when you gave to that poor person on the street, When you use your influence and your power for God's purposes and kingdom, I got saved because of that. So that's why Jesus used this rascal as an example, because this guy was a hustler. And he's saying, we got to be holy hustlers. Holy hustlers for God's kingdom. Go out there, make that money in Jesus' name. All right? Represent Christ in Jesus' name. Use your power, use your influence to advance God's kingdom. Use your money to give and do all those great things and then see what will happen for the kingdom. You got to be aggressive about it. All right? Here's my one point. Here it is as I close. Your stewardship, use your stewardship wisely and aggressively to get people to heaven. That's it. That's it. Use your stewardship wisely and aggressively to get people to heaven. Your stewardship is your time, your talents, your treasure. Whatever God has given you, I am saying, use it for His glory to advance His kingdom. And when you do, hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of people can be saved, can be ushered into the kingdom of God, people you don't even know. And again, I'm just using this as an example, but when you give to a church, and that church does a building, And that building, hundreds of people, thousands of people come in that building and who would necessarily come into a church and then God speaks to them and, and grabs their heart and they give their life to the Lord. It started with what you did with your stewardship. Last story, Billy Graham in the 1940s or 50s did a outdoor rally the first of its kind in Los Angeles it was the first of its kind because evangelists back in the 1950s didn't advertise a whole lot they put ads in the papers they blanketed the city and here's the issue here's the challenge the budget to do all of that stuff to hear this young Billy Graham preach was 40,000 dollars That was a lot of money. And three businessmen put up the money. And I I don't have to tell you the whole story except the rest is history. It launched Billy Graham's Worldwide Ministry. So here's what I want you to imagine. Imagine Billy Graham when he passed away, stepping into heaven, and all these people clapping they got saved listening to Billy Graham but imagine those three businessmen who gave that $40,000 so they could put up a tent so they could have the chairs and the advertisement so this young evangelist could preach the gospel when they stepped into heaven it was probably even more people that said thank you thank you and they never preached But what they did, they used their stewardship wisely and aggressively to get people to heaven. Come on, let's give God praise, you all. Now you see why that's a tough passage to explain. So your homework this week is to read through that passage. Ask God to put you in the passage. What should you be doing? Better and more aggressive to advance God's kingdom. Everybody stand, please. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We want to be welcomed by you in heaven and we want to be welcomed by others because we have impacted their lives. So Lord, use our life Use our stewardship, our time, our treasures, our talents, for your glory. Father, use us as men and women of God to promote your gospel in everything we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord praise, everybody. Welcome back. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Pastor Lee or Eagles Nest Church, visit our website at eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay connected with us throughout the week. If you're ever in the Atlanta area, we would love for you to come and worship with us on Sundays at nine or 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Until next time, Eagles.